What's up, everybody? Garden Report post game show, CLNS Media. Bobby Manning. I'm John Zanis. Uh, it's a Saturday edition, which means uh, nobody else is here. No one's going to join us, <laughs> Bobby. We're the only ones who work Saturdays. Jimmy Toscano. He's gigging. Josue Pavone still eating barbecue out in Texas, uh, and uh, and that's it. So that's what we got. But uh, a lot to talk about tonight. What you know, this could have been a sleepy, boring kind of you know. Ho-hum game, Spurs are the Spurs, and they're missing people. And it honestly should have been a sleepy, ho-hum, boring game. Celtics are fully loaded, locked and loaded here with their, you know, full complement of players. And it looked like it was going to go that way. Um, and then the Celtics just came out and friggin' stopped playing basketball in the second half. Um, stopped doing pretty much everything they were doing in the first half and uh, let the Spurs in the game. And um, some questionable decisions late by Joe Mazzulla and um, uh, some hero some hero work from Rob Williams. So uh, a lot going on, a lot to talk about. But Bobby, where do you want to start? I mean, obviously, easy easy to start at the at the end here. Um, the, the two things that stood out to me the most: getting Rob Williams back on the game was the right idea, uh, which is what Joe did. Getting him into the game. And then leaving Derek White as the point guard, removing Malcolm Brogdon seemed really silly to me. And I think the Celtics paid for it. And I think they barely got away with it. Um, thanks to that mad scramble possession where Tatum <laughs> could have gotten called for a foul, ends up with a Derek White alley-oop to Robert Williams. Thank God that's how that possession ended up. But um, it was hero ball down the stretch because there was no Brogdon in there anymore. Um, it just it didn't make sense to me. He was playing a great game with Marcus Smart. He had gone down on defense. Uh, and then, you know, Rob with that alley-oop dunk, and then Rob just locks up Romeo. That defensive possession there for the Spurs when they were trying to get a bucket to, to tie it late was an absolute mess. Um, and the Celtics kind of got, you know, got away with a victory there. But uh, they got in their own way in a couple of different ways tonight. Yeah, Kendrick Perkins was talking about it throughout the game in terms of the minute allocation. It, yeah, it doesn't Kendrick's make a ton my- of sense. Perk's my spirit animal, by the way. He said everything in this broadcast that I've been saying on this show for the last, you know, few last couple of weeks. Like, what are we doing they, here? I love it. They, they even had the pace. They thank God. They even had the producers put on the screen Perk's keys to the game. And the second one is keep Rob in was, was his second one. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. They extend Malcolm Brogdon longer than they had been in this game 28 minutes but it's like there's a line they don't think they can cross and that like everything's gonna crash and burn if they play rob 25 or lord forbid brogdon (laughs) over 32 or something like that i i don't know why he wasn't in late doesn't make a lot of sense to me i guess you're sort of kind of going offense defense there and they didn't really go in the offensive direction they they really held down with the rob unit out there trying to i guess grind out the game which is different than missoula has handled things in the past you would have thought he'd wanted offense and spacing and all the different things that we've talked about out there but i don't mind it just because of the fact that we've wanted to see rob involved you finally get him in a crunch time and he makes that big play on the alley-oop there alongside Derek White, who I thought had a pretty good game here with 11 assists, no turnovers. It worked out. I don't know if Brogdon would have like shut things down and made all the right plays there. He gave them a ton in the minutes that he did play. <laughs> I, it's the problem is Brown that. and Tatum in that spot with the offensive fouls. It's not that. When, when you don't have Smart in the game, because you're not closing with Brogdon, but when you don't have Smart in the game, and it should be Brogdon in there, and 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 you have White as your point guard, even when Smart's in the game, too often, too often he gives the ball up and uh, gives not it to this the, game. 
No, I'm saying too often what he'll do in crunch time is give the ball to Tatum or Brown top of the key and get out of the way. That's even with smart in with white. There's no chance you're running an offense. None. So every possession. And then the one horrible one was the one where they didn't get it into Jalen Brown till like seven seconds left on the clock. They're fussing around with it. White dribbled for 12 seconds, gives it to Horford. He doesn't know what to do with it. Gives it to Brown and he fouls Josh Richardson um, there, you know, good defense by Richardson, but Brown, you know, plows right into him. That was a, dreadful freaking possession white did nothing i'm not getting on him here but it's like they couldn't they didn't get into anything on that possession and then every other one was just give it to tatum top of the key and get out of the way you know for the most part so that's what happens when you have that when you don't have a real point guard or a point guard who you're going to let run your offense you're stuck with the ball in tatum and brown's hands and they're just going to kind of go hero ball sometimes it works but sometimes you can get yourselves in 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 trouble but that's when they got in trouble in the second half bobby they kind of came out and they stopped doing what they were doing and it just kind of it just turned into hero ball i i i find it odd that i'm saying this but it was too much tatum and brown again um in this game like they got their numbers at the end but just too much of those guys in the second half there um instead of kind of working and fighting for that you know for for better shots um they're taking them early in the clock just kind of forcing a lot of hero ball shots from tatum uh, and again, they're phenomenal players. They're going to get their numbers, and it's going to go in. I, but I don't know if it helped them. It definitely didn't help them in the second half. Yeah, and we've we've talked about Brown's diminishing playmaking in that spot. It shows. I know the shot clock's running out, but in other moments, that's down the tough. Stretch there, that's in other in other moments down the stretch, there you're seeing the clock tick down, and these guys just sort of look up and have to make a last ditch effort there. The Spurs were well prepared to kind of draw them into some traps in the half court and, you know, get them in some difficult spots to score from. I thought they played pretty good defense on this one, especially in that second half. But the Celtics bailed them out. I don't think the Spurs were in great possession uh, position to protect the rim in this game, and it was jump shot city in the second half. Both third and fourth quarters, they scored fewer than 30 points there. This accumulated over the course of the entire second half. This wasn't just a couple of plays or a lineup at the end of the game. It's their approach. They fall asleep. It started right after halftime. Just a horrendous start to the third quarter. Uh, they turn it off in an instant. And this has been a problem throughout this road trip is their waning effort at times. And certainly the it, connectivity. All of it was bad. Yeah. yeah the, the, the connectivity just is, is these sloppy. Wait, are you here? Or are you there? Passes? Are you running? or Are you stopping? They couldn't get on the same page. They kind of had the vibe of like, you know, guys who'd never played together on some of these, uh, you know, uh, you know, in some of these possessions. Uh, but again, it's just like I said, it's like you said, just hero ball, just letting guys get by you. Uh, you know, uh, you know, not, not, you know, not switching, not helping. I mean, the, the Spurs got a, I forget about just offense and the hero ball stuff in the third quarter Spurs got easy looks. They were getting in the paint easily. And that's why perk was crying for Rob. It's if these, if these guys are going to let, you know, you had that little moment, Bobby, right? That two and a half minute stretch of double big starting lineup in the first yeah, half. Yeah, right before halftime. Right before halftime. And it was like, there it is. And, you know, and I, Rob's energy is is really infectious there because he's moving all over the place. The threat of him is always there. Spurs did a good job trying to get him on switches and get him out to the top of the key. But he's still kind of there. And it's just kind of moving. And his ability to guard guys on the perimeter, which we saw him just lock yeah. up. Romeo Even on that Richardson shot, he almost got him. But Richardson Almost held got up him, got blocks him the, the three, yeah. gets the whatever. But like you saw it working there, and you saw the defense, and you saw that vibe. Oh, like oh my goodness, this is tough. And so 
then in the second half, just nobody was playing that type of defense. They're just kind of standing around. Guys are just running towards the basket. And that's, I think, why Perk starts crying for Rob. It's if these guys aren't going to stop them from getting there, at least have a deterrent waiting for them. And that's what they said last year. Rob covers up for the times where we do kind of let down a little bit or lapse. We know that we got the big guy back there to bail us out. When you don't have the bailout, you, you get these layup drills that you got, you know, for portions of this game in Oklahoma city last week. Um, when you're not putting up enough resistance and not moving well enough uh, and swarming like you did last game, um, you know, the, 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 the guys on the perimeter and, and keeping them from getting into the paint as easily as they did, they got into there really easily. Uh, and Romeo, if he had a little bit more finesse, could have had 20-something points because he missed quite a few up at the rim, but he was kind of getting there. Um, and I, I ended up finishing with a decent stat line because, I, you know, he had a couple of putbacks and did score a couple of buckets late. Um, but, yeah, just that waning effort, Bobby. I don't, you know, it's it, – here's the thing. You can have waning effort as long as you kind of clamp it down for the for, – for, you know, money time, whenever you absolutely need it. But you, when the, you see the Celtics – these these two games are a little this San Antonio team is missing half their team and and you let up just for a little bit and then it's a dogfight the rest of the game and Oklahoma City you let up and they're without their best player and they beat the tar out of you that means that the Celtics are a little bit more beatable than we thought they were bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season everything from NFL and bowl season to esports and world cup You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at BetOnline. BetOnline features live betting, free contests, live scores for almost any sport or game imaginable. We're the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. So head to BetOnline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code CLNS50 to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. Yeah, for sure. Particularly through some of these lineups. I mean, the defense. Because they should still be able to roll this team with like 12 good minutes. You know, that's it. That's that's yeah. all you should need. Yeah, for sure. And they did let the Spurs get downhill with relative ease. You saw it after that stretch I talked about out of halftime. Uh, Joe, I have a conversation with Jalen about Romeo beating him on one of those plays. And uh, you had other moments throughout this half, whether it was offensive rebounds. Horford had a tough time with Zach Collins in there. I know oh, he had yeah. to play late, but uh, that guy really dominated them in the paint. And even on the perimeter, you had Richardson breaking free for shots. You had even disconnectedness on on that last play where Rob tied up Langford pretty good. If Langford hesitated and unleashed after Rob jumped, maybe he could have gotten a decent look off there. But they still allow a wide open three to Sochan on that play. Right. On the Not other great. side. Rob, yeah. Rob locked it down and everyone was standing around like, nice job, buddy. But like the, everyone forgot to do their job after that. And they still ended up with a better shot than you would have wanted to see because that should have been a mad scramble and a heave at the basket with the way that, you know, uh, the, the you know, Rob played defense and blew up that entire position possession there um so yeah that even that wasn't great Bobby you're right yeah so multiple moments you could have lost this game down the stretch there you really <laughs> escape from this one is what it feels like and yeah. uh, you're gonna feel worse about this game than you would most wins like this because you lose smart because your defense takes such a hit through the second half uh, your offense breaks down in a crucial moment late again. I don't know. I, I feel like I like that bailout play a little more than you did, John, but still it, it seemed just so 
uh, erratic. That, it's that was hard a horrible say, possession, yeah. <laughs> and it ended up with a mad scramble that ended up there. But you can't, Bobby. I agree. Like we're kind of talking about what fell apart and being you know, just barely squeaking out a win versus the Spurs here. Uh, and there's definitely a lot of like not great to draw from. But I, I do think I actually have a relatively positive spin on the game on the whole because you know. I, Again, it's not necessarily agenda driven, but two of the things that have been big for me that I keep talking about that I think are super important is more Brogdon, more Rob. Okay, you got forced into a little bit more Brogdon because uh, Smart got hurt and we don't know the extent of that yet. We'll see if we kind of see what comes out of San Antonio uh, there. Um, But I'm not saying Brogdon at the expense of, you know, Smart or whatever, but I just do think you have to play him with the starters more. I do think he gives you that really dynamic third option. I think it kind of takes pressure off the Jays a little bit because Brogdon can score um, so easily on his own. And he's just that straight line drives to the basket, really pressures the defense. So you have another guy really putting heat on the defense. You throw Rob in there too, and you add a lob threat to that mix. That's a lot of stuff a defense has to worry about. And I want to see that combination a little more. And maybe this is the type of game where uh, Joe might be like, huh, interesting. I kind of like some of that, you know, like I like what I saw with this. So maybe it leads to a little bit more, you know, more Rob minutes, you know, more Brogdon minutes with the starters, more Brogdon uh, minutes with the closing lineup. I'm not really sure. So those are both good things, I think, because those are good developments. We started, we talk about the need for a third option. Brogdon's clearly the third option. He's clearly the third most talented offensive player on this team. If you have a, if there's another guy on this team that can score 20, 25 when you need 20, 25, it's him. So start I, play, I start time. playing him as a guard with that lineup. Start playing him as a wing in a, in small ball lineups. Get him some shots. Get him some looks. Get him some opportunity. Let him drive towards the basket. Let him do his thing. Uh, but you got his minutes have to be. There's too many 19, 20, 21 games with him. His minutes have to be 27, 28, 29, 30. He's got to be playing starters minutes coming off the bench. It's really weird to see him and White in the 19 to 22 range sometimes, or, and you know, White oftentimes ahead of him. I don't understand that. Brock, it's one thing to have a Brogdon talent on your bench. It's another to not use him. Yeah, and foul trouble forced Joe's hand in the last game to flip those Horford yeah. and Grant minutes yeah. and flip the weight and uh, Brogdon minutes because of uh, Brown and Tatum's foul trouble in that game. So you ended up with some different looks in that uh, game where there's some three-guard lineups that look good. Uh, you certainly got to look at double big in this one again. Just different places Joe can go, I think, to start to mix some things up. I think he was hesitant to make some changes early in the year because of the enormous amount of success they were having. But you're getting some data on other things now that make you think it's time to shake up these rotations a little bit. Les Hauser, I think, is warranted. But you do have to question why they're keeping these minutes down. And hopefully we'll start to get some answers on this stuff because, you know, when Damon Stoudemire was coaching, he sort of talked about the limitations that are on Rob. And you didn't hear that from Joe. You haven't heard that from Rob, certainly. Uh, so I guess there's a minute limit on him. Like, I can't figure that one out. Uh, Brogdon, I asked him probably about a month ago, what's up with the minutes there? And he's saying if he needs to turn it up minute-wise, he can, if they feel they need to in spots. So they are managing him as well. And this is another game where you wonder, did they underutilize him a little bit? You wouldn't love to tear through him if if you're going to you know want those minutes later in the week in some of those bigger games like Brooklyn and Chicago coming up when you should be handling the Spurs. Uh, so this thing, I just feel like caught up caught up with them late in this game. I mean, they lead 11 with six minutes left, right? If they expanded that to 20, you suddenly don't need either of those guys in crunch time. And 
you were sort of trying to figure out what was the better road to go in that spot. And they probably made the wrong decision in this spot, but luckily the guys who were on the floor figured it out. Al with a big play on the free throws and Rob with the big defensive play and uh, Tatum even in his free throws and everything else that they did down the stretch there. It's, It's not great, but it's better than a loss. Yeah, it's not. It's not. But again, on the whole, the things you want to see, the things you need for this team to succeed, and this is why I'll put the positive bow on it. We've seen this team have its effort wane. That's annoying. You want to see them clean it up. You understand doing it at the end of a long road trip or end of a road trip against a crap team, taking them lightly. That's understandable. A lot of teams would do that. So I don't love it, especially over what we've seen over the last, you know, three weeks to a month. And, but again, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to remember this game for Brogdon being the type of player that you think Brogdon needs to, should be, and that, you know, that you can get in night in, night out. And that Rob is just starting to do Rob things left and right. This is definitely like the, I mean, you know, we've waited this long to talk about it. It's definitely the Rob game. I mean, this is the, you know, this is the game where the second he gets on the court, you see his impact is, it's immediate. The whole, you talk about, you know, Jalen and energy changing. Rob is a total energy changing player when he gets on the court. Everything, everything seems to change. Yeah, everything changed. You see certainly the room running and that great play, probably one of the plays of the year where he finds Tatum cutting off a slip on the opposite side. They put the ball in his hands a little bit on plays like those to make some stuff happen. And offensive rebounding, not something we focused on with this team, but we're starting to see the difference of it returning to the to the uh, discussion here. They were a top 10 <laughs> offensive rebounding team last year. This year, bottom 10 without Rob. And now he's back, and they're all of a sudden a force on the glass again. Several plays throughout this game got saved by him falling. Uh, Grant on that fake handoff. Uh, you know, a couple of different putbacks throughout this game, and he finishes with 11. He makes rebounding look so easy. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And that he started even, last year. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. And it's not because he, he's, uh, he, he doesn't box out. He's not physical. He doesn't get great position at all. He's one of those classic, like, I'm just going to kind of lightly put my hand on you and just feel where you are. But he just jumps so quickly. Um, he gets off his feet so fast. And isn't he's, that great? We weren't sure if that was going to be back after the surgeries. Yeah. And it's there. He snatches them out of the air before anybody else has a chance to get up for him. That's the thing that he does. He's also such a great double jumper. You know, like, to see him... This is a you know totally underrated thing that you don't hear talked about a ton, but his ability to both contest a shot, go up, land, and go right back up for the for the rebound off the miss is really incredible. Sometimes, of course, he can take himself out of position, but sometimes he can get right back up there, jump so fast, uh, even after having left his feet and come back down. And you it know really what? is he- amazing. He should be starting next game. Like, cut the crap. Like, <laughs> this guy's your third best player. He shouldn't be coming off the bench playing 20. Like, it's a it, listen, if it's medical stuff, fine. We don't know it, but he should be starting. And I get, you know, you talk about rotation. I understand it if you want him games. to close. If you're worried yes. about minutes and you want him to close, I understand not starting him there, but they haven't been closing with him that much. In fact, he's just been coming out. So, That's what I'm talking about. You're yeah. not even sure if he's going to close. Yeah. So start him. 
I mean, you got to get him the reps with the guys. I, I was running the numbers after the Denver game, I think. He's only played seven minutes a game with Smart, five minutes a game with Horford. Uh, he's getting like 14 minutes a game with Tatum because of the bench rotation there. But he's not playing enough with the guys that you're going to want him to play with in the playoffs. And then we've talked about the carryover effects on Horford, who continues to look shaky on this road trip because exactly. of haunting minutes, I'd imagine. You're managing a couple of different guys there. And yeah, you don't want to kill Rob, but if you're playing him light minutes, you're dumping those on Horford and killing him. So you got to find some balance there. Maybe you go small with Grant and run him a little longer. I feel like he's been underutilized even tonight, but they got to shake out some rotation things right now because you see the flow of this game. I know I haven't been the Rip Joe guy, but it felt like the rotations and the flow of the game really hurt them in certain stretches. He had, I mean, the the most egregious being at the end when Brogdon came out of the game. That made no sense, so, you know. Especially uh, when they got on offense, right? Yeah. Because he's been a bad defender this year. So you understand maybe playing some offense defense there. Uh, you had a couple of timeouts to work with as well in that spot. Uh, they had to use one actually when they got Brogdon in and he almost threw the ball away. Just a, a frenetic rough final few minutes there and again six minutes left they lead by 11 and they start holding the ball and slowing things down it's crazy what just this team does. just play ball that you turn that 11 into 19 and you call it a night man you don't go in the other direction bobby can you monologue for about 30 seconds yeah let's uh <laughs> let's head on brogdon you're going to brogdon yeah because he looked good uh, once again in this game after a strong showing in dallas and you're starting to see his ability to get those shots off and connect with other guys here. This is this is might might have been his best game we've seen with him on this team, at least since that early stretch in the season when he was just killing it. Uh, nice to see him get back on his feet. Things looked rough for a while there. Uh, really, eight games where he's shooting in the 30s, in the 20s from three. Uh, you still see the three point release, a little awkward getting it off, but he hit him spot ups in this game that really paced the lead. Spurs can never get over the hump because he seemed to yeah. get downhill and finish with the left hand or get one of those threes off and hit him or even make a good pass to a couple guys. That nice, like, flare out play with Hauser looked like some of the stuff they were doing early in the year with that bench unit when they were the best unit in the league. Uh, they'd fallen off quite a bit over the last couple months here, but I don't know what it was. They didn't rest them. They didn't cut his minutes or anything like that. It, there's nothing that seemed to click other than him just sort of waking up from a slump that lasted eight, ten games there or so over the last couple here. Yeah, uh, you know, Rob's the story because he's so impressive, but I, Brogdon's probably the player of the game um, for, for 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 what he did there. He's just so he was so efficient, and then when Smart went down, they needed what he gave them so badly. Yeah. Um, and uh, and he was great. So I mean, it's it's again, it, it I, it's fair. It's the Robin. It's it's the Robin Malcolm game for sure. This is why you get the guard depth that you, that you got. You can ramp well, up Brogdon in spots. You can you can put White in the facilitator role again. I love what White did in the game with the eleven assists. White had a good game. Did you mute yourself? Sorry, you got muted there. Go ahead. My back. Yeah, you're good. All right, perfect. Yeah, uh, good. Good guard usage in this game throughout the flow of it before the end stretch. There, obviously, uh, it was nice to see White get his own range game. Even though you had Richardson and Langford punching you on the other side, it ended up being a pretty fun one, as frustrating as it was. It was fun with 
with all the different guys performing in this one. And the Spurs have some fun guys. I mean, no one talks about Trey Jones, who is just killing you all game with those downhill drives. Small guy who can really finish inside. Yep. Uh, so chance fun. He had those the dunk and the little two pointer late that made it the game. Uh, and let's let's talk about your guy. Who's that? Not yet. We will. I will say this. Uh, we talk about Joe kind of getting into stuff. Joe did have a couple angry timeouts tonight, and one of them, um, he, he went one of them late. He went right at Jalen, by the way. Yeah, um, the one in the third. Wasn't that and that third was the board? one where he he let Romeo get by him and then just kind of like just olayed it and was like, well, help was there anyway, and the help really wasn't there. He really had to fight through that and stay with him there. And he just kind of let Romeo go there on a blow by the any score. I Brown scored. defense. I mean, yeah. we got to – people get on us about Brown, and I think we're fair with him. You know, we get on him, and we give him credit, and, you know, we try our best. But we're here to hold guys accountable, and I don't know what's going on with the defense. I mean, it's this just when he feels tools. like it or when he doesn't. You're t- you're talking about the story the other day where Marcus Smart says he's mad and he wants Luca, and he you know you never hear him say stuff like that. Is both like a positive and a negative because it's like he kind of doesn't get fired up that way, but he did this game, and then you saw the type of energy and effort he played with when he wanted to, and then you see these other kind of games where it just wanes, and you're like, what are you doing, man? Still there? Got some, got some mic issues going on here. I no, you're good. That. You're good. Right. But yeah, no, you were saying that's that. It's it, uh, I don't get it sometimes. The, the defense is so perplexing because it's just effort for it's just effort and focus for him. Yeah, and it, it shifted a couple years ago. I think when they started switching more, and that's the excuse you hear sometimes is that he does want to lock in on one guy, and maybe it is some frustration on his part for not playing a style that he wants to play defensively and that he succeeded with in the past. Because we've seen him be great defensively. I think we've seen him be at his best when he can lock in on a guy like Luca in that last game or Durant in that Brooklyn game where he had four blocks. It's there, which is what makes it all, all the more frustrating. And when you talk about these lineups where you could have five guys that potentially allow you to play some of the best defense the league has seen, to have him slipping up at spots, it's frustrating because they're putting him on the MVP ladder. You see that, key, uh, the key MVP ladder. He's, he's in that 9-10 slot the last couple of weeks. Jalen? I know he's scoring a million points, but so if he's not going to be who he can defensively. He shouldn't be in the MVP. It, it, it's interesting, and you really do get a sense of it. We watch all of it, right? And everybody here in the chat watches every friggin' second of every game. Sometimes they watch each game twice. You know, like <laughs> obviously, like everybody here is intimately, you know, uh, you know, aware of every good and bad thing every single player on the Celtics does, whether or not some people want to allow themselves to believe it. Everybody knows because they see it nationally. The the rep Jalen Brown's rep nationally is still a th- is still a, a lockdown defensive player because that's kind of what he was before he developed his offensive game. That was more what. If not a calling card, more of what you knew was the reliable facet of his game while he started to develop other things. And then obviously his shot started to fall and he started to get really good there. And he was, you know, starts attacking the basket. But like the defense was the thing that he was supposed to absolutely do. And he kind of stopped playing it. You know, I stopped playing it, but he's been inconsistent uh, with it and really had a bad defensive year this year. But you still hear every national broadcaster and, you know, people like, well, you know, what separates Brown also in addition to getting the points is his defense i'm like i just don't think you guys watch the games because it is 
it's 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 on and off. It's on and off. It's there when he wants it, but it's not there all the time. Yeah, the metrics don't speak too well to it either when you look no. at them now. It, it it's slept over multiple years, and you hope that it just hasn't become a habit that he's that he's. I don't think he was ever to. great, he, but he's an athlete, and an athlete with effort can be a good D guy. He's just never been that. He's never been that fully. But anyway. I, we've seen him in spots really locked down when he when he turns it up sure. particularly. When he turns and, it up. Yeah, this is what we talk about with this team. They're saving it. They're starting again. That that's mode that great teams do. Yeah, yeah and you, and you understand it to some degree, but you can't let it slip like it did tonight, and especially against the Thunder, where these are games you at least have to escape with or manage down the stretch and. This this wasn't pretty tonight. This is a good way to put it. He's defensively selective. You know, he picks games. He doesn't just pick games. He picks possessions. He picks moments. You know, um, but uh, but yeah, that's it. Again, the the the, the Jalen. It always turns into Jalen criticism where it's not. It's it's Jalen is elite at the thing that's most important and hardest to do in the game, which is, he's an elite bucket getter and a tough shot maker. That's the hardest thing to do in basketball. And that's, what's going to separate him once and always he's frigging well, maybe phenomenal it's, at it. Maybe it's similar to what we saw with Kawhi there and that stretch before he got injured. He was known as that world-class defensive guy. And there'd been some Brown Kawhi comparisons, not that Brown was ever the defender Kawhi was, but Defense is that focus early. That's what gets you on the court. Even Tatum yeah, kind of went through this, and then you yeah. you focus on offense more as your role becomes bigger, and it becomes tougher to manage both sides of the ball. We actually yeah. saw that was smart even in twenty twenty one ish. There, like no, he just s- became such a big part of the offense that he wasn't that same defender. It happens to every star. LeBron James at the peak of his power, at the height of his powers, was a terrific defender who could who would defend all five positions. And oftentimes, you remember they're playing the Celtics, and 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 LeBron switches over to Rondo because he's because he's friggin' going bananas. You know, he's like, I got him. You know, like yeah. that's that's what he used to do at the height of his powers. That stuff goes away over time. You know, but maybe not in year five and six and seven. <laughs> you know, when you're yeah. still twenty four and twenty five years old, you still got the legs and you still got the juice as you start to become. 27 28 29 yeah sure then you're maybe a little bit more selective that maybe the downside to see having this much success this early in their careers is you know they still have you know they, they have the mentality of of 10 and 12 year veterans with the experience of six and seven year guys um so whatever it is what it is but again it's it's game 30 something against the Spurs. Like these are the games you expect to have, you know, some waning effort, Uh, something we're obviously going to hit on in this game. Bobby tweeted that it was going to be the entire show. It's not, we are going to talk. We (laughs) We didn't realize that the fourth quarter. (laughs) We we didn't because we thought we'd be talking about a blowout. So we was plenty in the game to talk about, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, throughout. And certainly we want to talk a little bit about Al Horford here uh, and the conundrum the Celtics are running into. They did run him into the ground with a lot of minutes early when Rob was out. Too many minutes. Many of us said, what are you doing, Joe? Many of us said a lot of people were very concerned with the 35 minutes a game for someone. He is starting to look his age a little bit um, here. And you really want to start bringing his minutes down. And you want to start getting Rob's minutes up, which I do think is a reason why you're going to have a difficult time with that double big dream lineup and really only able to play it a few times a game. Because you really got to play those guys one on one off, I think, because both of their minutes are are concerns, right? 
you know, you, you don't want to, you don't want to go too deep with either of those guys. I think you want to peak Al at about 26, 27, 28. And it looks like you're trying to keep Rob between 22 and 24, which really means they can only have five, six, seven shared minutes total in a game. Um, and that's what it is. But I do think you got to start thinking about, uh, reducing Al a little bit here as well. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about, uh, as we said, the Romeo Richardson, uh, Derek White scenario uh, and what we thought. One game doesn't decide at all, but it's still always an interesting conversation. But first, we're going to tell you about one of our sponsors, Athletic Greens. Um, great way to kick off your year, especially if you're going to kind of start things out on a health kick here uh, by going to get um, Athletic Greens, uh, a supplement um, that is honestly one of the best out there on the market. Uh, it's been one of our partners here at the Garden Report for a while. I know several people who watch this show and listen to this show have supported it so far, so we do appreciate that. Um, we all use it here on the Garden Report. Um, it's great for optimizing your immune system, better gut health, more energy, um, you don't have to take a million pills and vitamins. You just have it right there. 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, bang, cup of water and you're done. Um, as we said, all of the health benefits there, but it's also just easy to fit into your lifestyle. Um, you do it in the morning and you never have to think of it again. It's diet friendly. doesn't matter if you're paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, has less than one gram of sugar, um, supports all the things we talked about, sleep quality, recovery, mental clarity, alertness, um, Highly endorsed product, athletes, uh, you know, celebrities, medical professionals, 7,000 five-star reviews. So now is the time to reclaim your health, arm your immune system, convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, if you go here, athleticgreens.com, uh, AG1 is going to send you a gift, and we're going to send you a gift. Uh, you're going to get five free travel packs with your first purchase and a year supply of vitamin D, uh, which you totally need. Uh, if you go to athleticgreens.com slash garden, also you get one of these, a phenomenal t-shirt. There's a form you can fill out. Just let me know that you ordered the product and we will give it to you. Someone might also put it here in the chat for you that you can fill out, submit your receipt and come and get some. Um, so Bobby, what did you think first off about Derek White played well. We know what Derek White is. I think we have enough of a background to, to understand Derek White. If Derek White went out and had a horrible game, it doesn't alter this conversation. But you are now seeing Romeo Langford playing more minutes in San Antonio. He's starting. I know they're out, guys. But he's been, since his last whatever, he's had a million things that have kept him out at various times this year. He's now playing fairly consistently. Uh, and he's playing fairly effectively he's not a star um but he's it's i would say what you're seeing now is the best of what we saw from romeo in small spurts um being given an opportunity to finally play some he's not a perfect player i don't think he's ever going to be a 15 20 point per game scorer but he looks okay and then josh richardson's josh richardson and, he, and actually he was, he was he was pretty big tonight even though sometimes you kind of forget about him he's on the bench there and he comes in he still gets buckets um your overall thought watching these guys play with the Spurs, and obviously there's more minutes to be had there, but to me it's less about the minutes and more about who they're playing against. It doesn't matter that it's on a bad team. They're being given minutes and doing this stuff against Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and the like, and the best team in basketball. That has to count for something, right? Yeah, for sure, and there was definitely extra motivation there. You could see in the way he played. He picked up big defensive assignments. He started. He attacked late. I thought that closing stretch where he hit a couple shots at the rim, and then I thought he was going to shake Rob on that play and hit 
I think that would have been the game tire tire at that time. Yep. Uh, impressive stuff. He's taking strides. He barely survived camp, as we talked about. Uh, it looked like he might have been on the verge of getting cut <laughs> there, and now he's had some big games that have put him in the mix to be one of the guys that they maybe hope for some stuff from here. He's not he's not going to be someone that they build around, but you have defense. You have a defensive wing. You're going to hope that he can develop a shot, which still isn't quite there. He didn't even attempt a three in this game. But he gets off that mid-range. He's got some secondary ball handling abilities here. It just didn't fit He's, what you needed on the well, Celtics. Well, I, 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 come on. You think they didn't need an athletic uh, wing? I understand they needed shooting, and the shooting's not there. You're right. He's not. He's really gone away from it. Um, he's only, I think, last month he attempted one point, a little over one a game. Um so you're right. He's kind of abandoned the three-pointer, but I never thought he was a three-point shooter, Bobby. I thought this was what he could be. I thought he's a guy who can attack the rim, um, and that's where he's at his best. I, I always said if he can develop a little floater game and a little mid-range game, um, that like Fultz, Markel Fultz is kind of where I thought – the, you know, the best version of faults is what I thought he might be able to be a guy who can get where he wants to go and can hit, you know, can hit some shots in, you know, uh, around the basket and then play yeah. really, and then play really good defense. I never thought he was a shooter. Yeah. But then you add in the inconsistency and the injuries and he's not a great piker. He's, he, he no. doesn't do it in spurts. So you're just sort of talking about this wing who, can maybe get off a mid-ranger from time to time. Isn't a great finisher. Is doesn't have great physicality. And more often than not, when you put him in games for the Celtics, it was zero zero zero. And he he had one recently for the Spur, uh, Spurs too, where he went zero with six. It, the inconsistency was kind of maddening. I, I don't think you could you could wait around and even funneling opportunities. I just don't think it was going to happen. So I was thrilled when they finally made that move because they needed a white who doesn't solve all their problems offensively, but does have the ability to calm some things down and fit their defense at an even higher level. Straight question. Derek White last year made them better than what they would have had most likely, even though Richardson ended up finishing the year really doing a good job and shooting extremely well. Um, but they needed something there behind Smart. They needed they needed you know to kind of continue with that defensive identity to be able to play the way they wanted to play. That became their identity. This big switchable physical team um, that made it you know, and that's how they got where they got. Now knowing that you have Malcolm Brogdon and Marcus Smart, uh, I'll I'll be honest with you. Um, flip the players right now. Where are you better with Richardson, Romeo, and a draft pick in your pocket, or Derek White just this year alone? I think White. Look at what White did to start the year. I know a part of it was shooting lights out, and that wasn't going to be sustainable, but he also was playing great defense. He was also getting downhill, making plays happen off and on on the ball. I just think White's impact is so understated, and I still look back on that day where they got him, and I still, like, looking back on it tonight, I'm like, man, that was awesome, because we're looking back one year ago, we were sitting there after that Knicks collapse, which was one year ago yesterday, or maybe yeah. two days ago now, and we're like, oh, man, you're going to have to trade smart. Like, There's no other way to get better. You're going to have to rip up this core somehow. And I was there at that point. And then when trade deadline day comes around, and it's like, oh, you traded Josh and Romeo. And listen, I don't want to totally dismiss what Richardson brought to this team. He was way better than I expected. I didn't like that move initially. Remember when they first, I didn't love it either. Yeah. I didn't love it either. I didn't, I never liked the player through Dallas and Miami, 
but he gave them some energy, some grit. You even saw it tonight blocking with that block on, I think it was Hauser. Some real tenacity from him. He's doing the phone thing, I guess, because they traded him or whatever that was. But, I, you know, mid-range shooting, I don't think he loved the bench roll. He had some inconsistency in his own right. And I think you really did a great job consolidating the bottom of that roster and finally getting aggressive with some picks to make a move that I didn't think you could make. Like, if we if we threw it back a year ago and we were kicking around names of guys you could get and we said Derek White, I, I think we all would have sat there and been like, you don't have enough. But they got it done. They got aggressive. Even Brad didn't love sending that 2028 pick, but they did it. And you, I think you're in such a better place now than if we were sitting here right now in the same game saying, man, Romeo just didn't give you enough. I, I couldn't. I couldn't stand to wait for those young guys anymore, John. It was I, maddening. I, look, I, I, here's the thing: the the pro, we're probably having the wrong conversation. The here, the wrong conversation is undoing a trade. Um, you know, uh, would you be better? Would you rather? Blah blah blah. It's hard to know. The right conversation is the Celtics screwed up the development of Romeo and Neesmith by jerking around their minutes. Maybe you, Neesmith. I don't know about like you had, you had potentially useful players. You had again, player develop. If you're going to draft them, you have to develop them. You just have to wait. You've got to take lumps along the way. That's the problem. When you're a really good team picking in the lottery, it's really hard to find minutes for these guys. Um, so that's what it is, but you just, you got to grit your teeth and suffer a little hoping for the payout down the road. And the payout is either they're good for you or they're good show promise. And then the returns are even better than what you get. And they're not throwaways in a deal. You know, we all know that the deal was about getting off white salary, getting a draft pick Romeo and Richardson, who they can clear out after this year and, and clean the books. That's what, that's all they wanted. You didn't trade the player. The player was thrown in. That's a waste of an asset. That's so I'm really bummed about the lack of development because I wish we could have done a parallel universe where Neesmith and Romeo played where the one Celtics team was bad all year and Neesmith and Romeo played 30 minutes a game. So by the end of the year, you'd have a good idea whether or not these guys can play at all. The it was problem 20, is 21 because it was you had it there and they didn't recognize it. But we'll never know. Even even yeah. we struggled to recognize. It was like this team just made the East Finals. What are they doing down at the seventh seed? But they sat there all year, and that's who they were. That's with who the they roster were. they had, and they but chose they to play Tristan and Tice and those guys over over Langford, and especially Neesmith that year, yeah. his rookie year. He misses summer league. Not really a preseason. They all had a rough camp. time of it. Yeah, and. and he just got buried on that roster. And then I thought Ime gave him some, sh uh, gave him some shots early that next year. He obviously had a full off season summer league and all that. He had a great summer league uh, coming into it. Pritchard too. Uh, but every time you gave these guys opportunities, it's not like they never got them, but you put them out there and they would just flop so bad. They were bad. And they were bad, Bobby. No one's going to deny that. It was hard to watch at times. They had to show something. When Rob but went out there, as limited as he was in 2020, 2021, you were I like, know. man, you – you but, see some flashes here. But he's you a never saw with these guys. You're right. He's a physical freak. He's a physical freak. I'm just you thrilled know? one year ago. We were debating, try to improve, try to take those steps, or just play the young guys and go development. I'm thrilled yeah, and they stayed the course and bought aggressively. Maybe, and, but this is an interesting point. Um, 
what Bain is always the one that got away, obviously, because you threw that draft pick away for nothing. Um, and also you had a shot at him and you took Pritchard instead. But um do you do wonder would Bain have developed here or would they have would they have friggin' scrapped him too, you know? <laughs> He's a better player than these two guys. I think you look back on he those is. picks, even with what they're doing now with opportunity. It, they're playing fine. Like it's nice to see Nisma scoring ten points every night. I think he's shooting like forty nine percent from the field. Langford's having these solid games, but they're 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 role guys. Even on these bad teams that they're on, and I'm thrilled that they're going in the right directions. But they're never going to be guys who move the needle here. You needed reliable veterans who you knew what they were going to give you. And it's great having Brogdon here. It's great having White here. And you hope you can even continue to consolidate some things, which I wrote about yesterday, and make some more moves to stack this roster with reliable guys. Because you're still looking at Hauser and saying, uh, like, you know, you're giving Hauser opportunity now. I think they're starting to make some of the changes you're looking for, John. They've developed Grant. Uh, they've they pushed Rob last year. We'll see what happens this year. But they are starting to even generate a guy like Cornette, who they build up through the G League system. So they're fi- starting to hit some younger players. How much are you and- paid to sneak in Cornette at least once per show? <laughs> I'm just throwing examples There's, out there. Of guys uh, the that they uh, the odds of Cornette getting into this post-game show were very small. Hey, it's been a mixed bag, and I think that's the case with most most teams. We look at the Memphises, and we look at the Miamis, and we're like, why can't the Celtics be like them? It's not easy when you're picking at 14, but when they've picked in the top 10 – They've done a brilliant job, and they've gotten the ones done that matters. And those were that's those were crucial misses. Right, that's a hundred percent right. And and I do agree. And I I think when people talk about hits and misses with drafts, I I do think you're missing. I think they missed the biggest uh, aspect of that. Yes, Romeo is a miss. And yes, if you had hit one of them, if you had hit, you probably have a title right now. You have a title right now. If you had been lucky enough to hit with Halliburton or a hero or a Bane or, or a maxi in one of those spots where you drafted these guys um, or two geez, you could have had two of them. Oh my God. You're talking about something real. That's fine. Um, it didn't happen, but that's fine. The biggest thing, the biggest key to the drafting is hitting massive home runs when you've got that big pick and, and, and obviously finding diamonds in the rough throughout, you know, Robert Williams is a diamond in the rough. Um, you know, uh, from where he was picked, uh, you're, you're not getting players of his impact that often, even though there have been some, uh, recently, but you look at that Jalen Brown draft and everyone else they could have taken. That's a friggin' home run. You look at the draft with Jason Tatum. Oh my God. If you would accidentally slip, wasn't in it Brown or, uh, who was the other guy there? Dragon Bender. And yeah. Oh my God. Tatum or Josh everyone, Jackson. Yes. Everyone was talking about Dragon Bender, you know? Oh my <laughs> God. You know, you dodged some real. Those were not easy picks. That, the Jalen Brown pick there. was a very difficult pick to make um, because that draft, you know, after after the beginning, after the first two was just filled with landmines. You obviously had Simmons and Ingram, which everybody wanted. The Celtics womp, womp, got the three pick. And there was a massive teardrop between those first two and that. But you're right. It was Bender. And you know why? And again, for people back, everyone knows Jalen got booed. I don't know if everybody knows who the Celtics desperately wanted what them was to it, take. Murray? It was Chris friggin' Dunn. Chris that people Dunn. Were, 
people wanted them to take. And one of the reasons for Don is whoever they were talking about in a trade, the uh, the other team wanted done. And, and it was like, just take done and trade him. Cause you were talking about rolling that into something else that they wanted done, you know? Oh my goodness. And of course, Murray is a hit in that draft a little bit later for sure, but it was, and, and then healed went at six and he's a fine player. But I mean, you were talking about Marquise Chris. Oh my goodness gracious. You know, like there were some other guys in there, but that was it. It was that you were, you were feeling it was going to be Dragon Bender or Chris Dunn and the difference in your franchise between taking Brown there or whatever. And obviously everybody knows with Tatum, what would have happened if it was false or ball or Josh Jackson, God forbid, which is another possibility. I mean, you can bust these things horribly in that spot. You know, it's not just getting not the star. You can look at Trey young and say, God, they should have taken Luca, but Trey young is still a massive hit or, or, uh, or what's his name? Uh, Aiton, you know, uh, taken there as well. But you can miss badly there, and when you do, that's bad. So they've made huge, 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 uh, you know, uh, yeah. you know, huge and, and, wins there. And going back to these picks, we hit, we hit Danny on them because they were important at the time. Because you had to restock what you lost in Hayward and what you lost in Kyrie and Horford and all these different guys that just flew out the door. Well, that's how you get good, man. Because you can't. They were in a tough spot. You can't pay for everything, so you gotta hit young and they didn't and that's where they really handicapped themselves yeah that led right to 2021 where you lost hayward you got nothing back from him and you were just strapped for depth that year you you just had this horrific roster but looking back on it it was less about those picks when it comes to danny who's really off to a great start in utah and uh, and it was more the tristans and the jeff teagues and even the Kemba sign and ended up being a disaster. You still wonder what happened there as Dallas waved them uh, the other day. He just stacked up so many questionable moves. In the it's last actually amazing. There. The only reason the Celtics are where they are is because they draft, because they hit on Tatum Brown smart. You know, if you don't, you're dead, you know, yeah. like you're dead. If And it's not just hit. If those guys, instead of that were like serviceable players, but not those and guys. And you kept them to go back to that point about Chris Dunn yeah. and those like maybe Butler George trades at the time. Those were probably very captivating, but they held back and they kept that guy, those guys and they kept smart, which I still think they deserve a lot of credit for. Yeah. Cause how many times would we at CLNS media across the board have traded smart since 2014? Yeah. It, I'm thinking about it right now. <laughs> I'm thinking about it right now. Speaking of smart, uh, Gary Washburn does have an update uh, from San Antonio. He said smart was limping in the locker room and said his x-rays were negative and he'll have an MRI tomorrow. Doesn't think it's serious. Collins knee hit him right below the left knee and his leg felt numb. So that's the left leg. It's not it the right weird one for him to go off that quick. That was the only concern. Cause I thought it was like Marcus smart soccer player laying on the ground and trying to milk it. But as soon as he got up, he had right for the locker room, which was definitely weird. Yeah. Know? And then to not see him again. So that's, that's pretty good and, news. Yeah. And it's not that, not that right quad thing that he's been dealing with. That's what I thought. I thought it was his hip or something when the way he was holding it, I couldn't tell. Yeah, because he's had a lot of upper leg stuff that's persisted for a couple of years now and that he's played through. So it had nothing to do with that. Uh, maybe just a bruise. You hope it's not a bone bruise. He's saying right below the right below the knee, so it wouldn't be like a knee bruise, but a shin or something like that. I don't know. Sometimes those bruises can be really tricky, and I never understand why. I've never gotten an injury like that, but guys can – have some weird bruises that persist and, and cost them some time. So you do see the impact of not being out there in the fourth quarter. Every time he's not playing, 
you see things get a little less organized. So you hope he doesn't miss some time here and further impact some of the offensive issues that they've been having since December began. Yep, no doubt. Uh, we do want to uh, continue the conversation. we got a few things we want to talk about before we wrap it up. But we do also have to tell you about another sponsor. So just sit tight, and we got more basketball talk uh, ahead. Um, and that sponsor is Rocket Money, and we're welcoming another sponsor. So, guys, get used to it. I gotta, we we got to pay a lot of bills here. Uh, but uh, <laughs> Rocket Money, um, I, I've talked about this before. Some of you might know this company as Truebill, uh, which is what it once was. Um, it allows you to... Uh, you know, cancel subscriptions and manage um, some uh, some of your expenses. Uh, and it's amazing how valuable it is. I used it right away, right when we partnered with this. Uh, and I was just shocked uh, how many subscriptions I had. I had no idea about and how many subscriptions I had where the price had gone way up beyond what I first started. I've, I've mentioned this before, but I signed up for one thing for $9 and it was 27 a month. And I could, and it was like a year. I couldn't believe it. So um, it finds them all for you. It allows you to cancel with one click of a button if you want, um, or uh, oftentimes it might be able to help you renegotiate a better rate, which is another thing that I did, uh, which was really cool. Something had gotten too big. I threatened to leave, and they said, no, wait, we'll keep you for this, uh, which is great. Um, as I said, some people are spending up to around 200 a month. They might think that they're at around 80 100 So trust me, if you go check this out, you're going to find a bunch of stuff that you didn't even know you subscribed to. You know the ones that get you, Bobby? Uh, the yearlies. Because – you can go in your statement and you can kind of comb through and you can try to do it on your own. And you're still going to miss stuff because some of them are yearly bills and you don't know when it comes. And it's really hard to locate them if you go looking for them on your own. It's also weird because you don't know what card you put them on. Uh, and it it gets you those two and it's going to tell you when they renew um, and lets you cancel ahead of time, uh, which I was able to do and saved it crap ton of money on something that was about to renew on me so i was very lucky for that so go to um rocketmoney.com slash garden you literally save hundreds a year that's almost a guarantee i swear uh rocketmoney.com slash garden check it out if you uh pay for a subscription here like with anything else you support garden report sponsors we will send you a free gift bang phenomenal t-shirt uh you just have to do it through the rocketmoney.com slash garden URL or else they don't know it came from us. We can't take credit for it. And that hurts. That hurts me when that happens. So uh, please do that if you can. Uh, Bobby, any leftover thoughts here uh, from this game here or any uh, other thoughts? We we didn't hit on Tatum. What do you think of his game? Still a little jump shot heavy. I thought, you know what? 15 to 26. He hit some mid-rangers. He hit the big one, uh, the go-ahead one late. He hit some ballsy shots. He hit that big one late. Um, my, If I had one critique of Tatum, and again, I think he and Brown both just too much dribble, dribble, hero ball in that third quarter when they let San Antonio kind of get back in. They completely got away from what they were doing. My problem with Tatum, um, the only critique, because I actually thought he, I mean, I thought he, I thought he did fine. I just thought he had to move the ball a little more. Um, uh, he got stuck too deep on too many drives and couldn't get back on defense multiple times. He was doing those tough finishing things and just falling. Either he was foul hunting or he just wasn't playing through contact and he was just flailing at the bottom of the rim and he would just go falling or flailing into the floor of the stands. And San Antonio played five on four on quite a few possessions where he got in too deep there. That was like reminiscent of times of last year against the uh, Golden State where he couldn't hit friggin' anything at the rim. Um, and I felt like he just kept missing and getting in too deep and every time he did it turned into a transition bucket the other way so 
Um, that happens to him sometimes. He goes hard. He gets a little bit wild. I don't know if he's trying to exacerbate the contact uh, a little bit, and he just goes flying out of the play, and he can't get back into it. Yeah, and defense from him too. And the defense wasn't great. He had a couple of blow-bys. Yeah, you want to see him reach a higher level there because when we talk about this MVP race, again, on the But he was pretty locked in most of the game. I just did a couple of things. But yeah, he he had a couple of things on the defense. Yeah, and we're holding him a high standard because he's going to have to compete with Luka and Giannis and Jokic and all these different guys who have emerged alongside him in the MVP race there. Durant certainly has been playing defense at a high level this year, block and a half per game and playing some big man roles and some perimeter roles as well for a Nets defense that's emerged. Can't wait for that game on Thursday, by the way. He's in a tough race right now. So he shows, you said this, John, him scoring 30 showing up like he did tonight, kind of a home hum 30. It's becoming more the norm. I think he's starting to hit a lot of the marks offensively you're looking for, especially driving early in games. Guys can't really stop him. He was good. He was great going to the basket. Just a couple times in that second half, he just kind of got a little bit wild with it, um, where I just think, you know, again, Everything is a byproduct of how the offense is playing. When the offense is moving the ball and you're getting the ball and you're able to, before the defense can set, when you do get by your guy, it's much more likely that you're going to have a clean look at the rim. But when you're playing that iso ball, the entire team knows you're coming, man. And it always ends up being a tougher shot for him. And those are the ones he has a tougher time finishing. And those are the ones where he kind of falls out of that play or he's trying to, you know, foul hunt where he's not getting as good a look at the rim. But when he plays fast and when they're moving the ball and he's quick and decisive, oh, man, he was just getting by people all night. There was a great play where he beat Jones off the dribble and then he powered through, I think it was Collins at the rim. So he had the speed and the power there on that play. Only five free throw attempts in this one, but he's been floating around 10 for about a month now. Continues to dominate offensively. The, the 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 one thing with Tatum, the three point shooting efficiency has gone down year over year last three years, but the free throws keep ticking up, and obviously he's getting to the basket. Big range shaking up for him too. You get yeah. closer to fifty percent. So him and yeah. Brown are hitting the right marks there. Brown go back to him. Lethal early with that shot, getting it off even on fadeaways, kind of that little bump and fade move he loves to do in the post area. There, they're fun, but you do start to see teams load up on them and. Yeah keep them away from the rim late in games and make them pass. And he ended up with some of those more frenetic uh, possessions. late. Yeah, exactly. It's just a little out of control. And when it goes, when it's out of control, because, you know, like I said, it it usually leads to bad things. It's a miss. The problem for them, John. And then then going the other way, you know. The problem for them, and we asked Grant about this at one point over the last couple of weeks after that Warriors loss. I think you saw the Warriors, and it'd be interesting to ask some other teams stuff like this and get some perspective. This is something Jeff Goodman would probably do. Did the Warriors kind of put the playbook out there for how to slow these guys when it comes to luring them into some of their bad habits? Yes and no. Uh, yes and no. I actually just think the Warriors are so they're they it, it's so high level what they were doing on defense, both with you know the individual defenders they had on the court with Draymond and uh, and and Wiggins playing really well, but just how they were playing and how connected they were. Uh, I, you can have the you can have the blueprint and the playbook and not be able to do what they yeah, do. Yeah, the Spurs couldn't do it here. But I, a lot of a lot of people over. can. But most people try try to do exactly that, which is pressure 
pressure, pressure, pressure Tatum and Brown, throw multiple people at them at the point of attack, you know, and then make them make plays because it's not what they do. It's actually stunning to me when that help or the or or somebody doesn't come at that point of attack with either of those guys when they just get clean paths to the basket. It's like make them beat. Well, that's where that's where Missoula deserves some credit because Tatum isn't drawing the double teams he did a year no. ago. Uh, they're, they're both shooting well, seventy percent at the rim, so there's some yeah. space in there that's really allowing them to operate at the basket. So I don't get how much of that is based off of the early season where the shots were falling. So everyone had to kind of sit back and stay in on the shooters and they couldn't cheat and they couldn't leave them. I mean, if I'm that, if I'm any team, I I would just sell out and just throw bodies at those guys all day long at the point of attack as they start getting downhill and, uh, and, or blitz them, you know, and get them away from the basket and make it so they get late in the clock on the possession and they've got to play iso ball with seven, eight seconds left on the clock, uh, which you've seen Tatum struggle with sometimes. He gets going and then bang, he gets pushed way out. Then he's got to find his way back in against some good swarming defensive teams and screw it. Make those guys be playmakers if you think they can, and then make the other guys make the shots. I that's I would live and die with the Celtics with that all all day long. You know, uh, there's some games and some teams where you're like, let Giannis get his fifty, you know, and let everyone else beat him. With with here, I'd be like, nah, let everybody else try to score. I dare you. I, I dare you. You know, to have these guys knock down shots consistently. Uh, Ragtime before your comment goes away. I don't want to call anybody out in particular. Uh, in terms of the subscription I was talking about, but yes, you are a hundred percent right. It was that, uh, that went from <laughs> one price to another and I just couldn't believe it anyway. Um, so yeah, that's what I would do, Bobby. And that's what, you know, and then they have to learn how to adjust it and move on. Yeah. And the formula is out there when they do go against those great teams. I mean, this is what's going to be the Celtics downfall. If they do fall short of a championship this year is that offensive execution especially late in games and again the throw it back a year ago they went a long way from that where they had one of the worst net ratings in the league in the fourth and they would just melt down game after game but some of those habits are still in them and it feels like they're always going to be in there john we we talked last year are they gone early this year are they gone and they return so it's just something they're going to have to manage. Every team has weaknesses. I think you know we don't compare some of their struggles to others around the league. Milwaukee, uh, some other groups. Miami has gone through it at times this year. Every team kind of goes through it in terms of dealing with their weaknesses. Celtics have fewer than other teams, but they do have that one big glaring one in terms of facilitating, especially in tense spots in close games. And they've gotten better at it. You just got to hope that they can execute more consistently in those spots. And again, it's probably tough to practice those scenarios when you were destroying everybody early in the year the way they were. Totally. So to even get reps against a team like the Spurs, who isn't great, but puts you in those spots late where you have to execute. And they did on that Tatum basket. And they did on that stop on uh, on Langford uh, yeah. with the lead there. Yeah, Tatum was still great. I mean, Tatum was, you know, again, getting baskets when he needed and had the clutch one at the end of the game. So it's not a knock here. It's just simply a, you know, the best version of basketball that they play is when they just don't devolve into the, into the ISO stuff. Uh, and it's, and again, kudos to Perk. I thought Perk called it out at every moment. He's like, no, no, stop doing that. Pass the ball, you know, like, you know, during the game, like, come on, guys, you're not getting, you're not getting into it. You know, he saw it right away where you have Scal, Sonny. You what know, a great just, broadcast. I mean, the broadcast, well, I love seen a lot of different there. guys, yeah. seeing a lot of different guys in and out because, uh, you know, Gorman's not posting the way or calling play by play the way it used to be, especially on the road. And, 
I don't know, Scal and Perk, they were obviously teammates, fun mix there. I thought Perk kind of told it like it was uh, to varying levels throughout the game. He's obviously not a guy who watches his team play in and play out. But I think from a bird's eye view, he caught some of the issues that have been going on in recent weeks and some of the issues in this game and hit them hard, which you're not always going to get on the broadcast. Uh, you have different yeah. styles. And it certainly didn't have like the strong play-by-play in this game, but it was different. And they feel like there's opportunities to get different kind of broadcasts. And, uh, you know, this was, this was a more experimental one that I think was a nice change of pace here, especially in a game like this Celtic Spurs. Uh, so that was good. Um, I do have some trade stuff I wrote about yesterday, you know, some minor stuff, but it is kind of a developing take I'm having that, I do want to start to see some consolidation on the bottom of this roster, I think. And I started to look through it yesterday. The, the Celtics did keep Justin Jackson on board after that 5 p.m. deadline. So they kept his $2 million, which I think But they'll buy it them. out if they need to. It, you know, if they need to, yeah. But I also think it kind of points toward them wanting that $2 million if they got to do some trade Salary stuff ad stuff. In terms of salary matching. So uh, we've talked about what moves this team can make. We're about a month from the deadline. And I think there's room for Gallinari and Pritchard and Jackson stacking contracts like that. Even Cornette, if you really have to do get to that money total, you could throw him in there. And this team can match $16 million. So I threw out Alec Burks as a potential guy, a wing scorer off the bench. Everybody loves Jay Crowder, and you could get to that number to bring him in here if you really wanted to. Do they need guys like that, like an eighth, ninth guy off the rotation, off the bench, to potentially compete for minutes with Hauser? And That's totally it, because how depth. short is that bench going to be in the playoffs right now? You know, like, sure, you, you feel pretty good about eight, but that's it, right? You know, like, I don't see Hauser getting real minutes. It looked good for a little bit, but, I mean, I think it really ends right now. It's Rob it's Rob Malcolm and and, and Grant, and that's that's it, Bobby. You're not giving any real minutes to anybody else. You're You might risk somehow minutes you know to get you know for some shooting and if you have an injury you'll have to work something else in but you're not playing any of those guys for any stretch of time with confidence it's only an emergency scenario foul trouble injuries or whatever it is it just is what it is it's not going to be luke it's not going to be hauser you know that's it like it is and i've I've liked the idea of doing javante green because you don't have to trade as many guys off the bottom of the roster to get him uh, so there's I gotta think, be some filler there that works, you know? Yeah. There's uh, gotta be a deal you can make. And even Pritchard, we've kicked that one around with Pritchard. It just doesn't feel like they're going to play him unless there's a kind of an emergency. Here. And, and, so, and they're not going to play him. And everyone's got to stop talking about trading Pritchard. Tr- Peyton Pritchard has zero trade value. Tr- Peyton I don't think he has zero. 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 Can we say like 0.5? Fine. 0.5. All right. There you go. But he's not he's not getting you something. You're get Peyton Pritchard is part of something where you're giving up stuff that matters or salary filler to take on money that someone else wants to get rid of. That's it. You know, it's not Peyton Pritchard is not the hook where the team's gonna be like, Oh, but he's some level of it's like Romeo and Neesmith. You're like, Oh, it's it'd be nice to have this guy if you're looking for some young talent. I'll throw this out here because thank you for the contribution and the super chat. We do appreciate it. All super chats. Once YouTube Eme. takes its slice you off see the Papa, top, you the, see hosts Papa get the, the hosts right? get the money. It goes to Josue's Wi-Fi and Jimmy's uh, toilet paper and Bobby's bucket <laughs> hats. And that's where the contributions go. So we do appreciate you guys throwing out the super chats. Thank you very much. Uh, 
Emay's coaching the team next year. Joe's never, I mean, uh, Joe's coaching the team this year. Emay's never, <laughs> uh, never setting foot inside, uh, setting foot inside, uh, inside whatever, uh, inside, inside that building again. Yeah, he's not. And Bob did get a question about him, and I wonder who asked that. But he said he's not in position to be the be the judge of the jury in that case, and that he's a friend. So I don't know if he's going to coach in the league again this year. It still would have been interesting to see him get that job in in Brooklyn and be able to ask all the questions we have and sort of have him out there and at least have the situation be done with here in Boston when that crash and burn. You you were left with this question that we're still asking of what the resolution is going to be there. I think was the suspension end June something like that. So this, this is a good point too. Um, um, Jay Crowder's been mentioned. And I'm not saying Jay Crowder's the type of player you need here, even though a Jay Crowder like player would be fine. But you do have to start thinking about like. I think this is a good point. I don't want old people like, you know, like I don't want this year's version of PJ Tucker for a veteran presence to come in there. Uh, I do think like remaining a little bit young and athletic and, and, and mobile matters. Like, I don't know what friggin' old dudes do. I don't know what buyout market does for this team, unless you're talking six, seven, eight, nine minutes of like veteran presence off the bench, but somebody you're going to actually use. I'm not really sure here. There's a personality element with this team too. They're in such perfect cohesion personality wise that bringing in Crowder who is playing for a contract who left the Suns over his role doesn't make a lot of sense to me in terms of looking for someone who's going to play a small role off this bench right now because your big minute guys are pretty much solidified right now I, I think we all love what Crowder was here I don't know what he still is especially after a long layoff you know I hate these layoffs the Ben Simmons thing you could have predicted what he's looked like from a mile away, and I'm sure it's not going to be much prettier for Jay after missing half the season. Uh, the Bucks are going to look at him. I saw Matt Moore report that that deal is still alive, the three-team trade with the Rockets and Suns. They would send Eric Gordon to Phoenix. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think Crowder makes a ton of sense in Milwaukee, so he could still play a part in this East dynamic. He looked great in Miami. I don't know if Miami could get him back. I think there's somewhere in the East – that Crowder could make an impact, but I don't think it's going to be in Boston. I mean, I think a commenter saying here, Grant, yeah, Grant's your Crowder, effectively, the better version. Grant is your Crowder right now. Grant was a no-show tonight. We didn't really talk about him. I'm not really sure what happened. Wow, what a bummer after that he, Dallas game where he was so he, good. He was dead invisible, which is really strange um, tonight because this wasn't, this wasn't like a bad Grant matchup game. I'm surprised. Everyone loves that name PJ Tucker too. Like I don't know how he became like the staple of this this masterful four guy who's so good at defense and makes such an. I watched the Sixers and the guy. It's like playing four on five because he doesn't do anything offensively. I hear That's you. A terrible I, deal. I've never been a huge fan, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, it's it, this is he's paying. He did for win that. a title though. Grant's paying for that text message right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hey, you know what? It was a tough road trip. What did they go? Two and two. So you made it out of it and you're back home. And it's going to be a tough week now. Chicago has had their number, certainly. They've had every team at the top of the East number. You see they're nine and one against the top four teams in the East, John, as they come to Boston on Monday. Yes. It's it's actually funny if you watch Chicago, uh, who they've beaten with that. And then you look at some bottom feeding teams and they've had – it's a really weird, inconsistent uh, – inconsistent, uh, 
uh, you know, we know they got a tough team on paper. Hey, look, so. you went two and two on the road trip, and this is everyone makes that the the record on the road trips is doesn't matter. We did the same thing when they went out west, and they're like, if you told us they would finish four and two on a West Coast road <laughs> trip, it doesn't matter. It's what happened there, what happened during it, and 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 how they lost and how they looked. So yeah, they went two and two, but they really played one good game. They didn't play the well. That they they really got dominated by Denver and they got their friggin' doors blown off against OKC and then tonight against this team to sneak by a win. This is a bad stretch of basketball um, that the team's still mired in. They have not quite figured it out. Um, it looked like they snapped out of it a little bit for a couple of games, uh, but not all the way back. It's still pretty friggin' inconsistent. Um, so yeah, they got it. They got it. You know. You know, we had that, you know, that conversation about what Joe said during that timeout, like, all right, what we're doing now, got to do this all the time. Like whatever, like last year, you know, the formula for success when they play at the top of their game and they do all of those things and they move the ball and they move without the ball and connected on defense and they're active. They're really, really, really hard to beat. Um, And they're, they should be coming into form right now uh, rather than experiencing these ups and downs because, you know, you're working Rob in, he's starting to look healthier and this is as close as you're going to, I mean, you know, we'll see what's going on with smart, but you should feel pretty good about where you're at right now. Yeah. It's smart. One, Real quick. I'll ask you, get your thought here. And then one closing question. The, that one on Thursday is the big one against Brooklyn. So you want to be hitting your stride entering a game like that. That's probably going to have some consequences seeding wise atop the East. Now that looks like you and them are going to be battling for that top seed. I think the top seed matters because you you get such a weaker opponent round one, usually one versus two. We saw that last year. Yeah. Uh, so that matters. I think holding off this run that Brooklyn's been on matters. I'm really excited for that one. And we'll obviously be out there as well, but you got to get through Chicago. You got to get through New Orleans without Zion. So there are a couple of games where you're hoping to be awake as well as Charlotte after that, that are going to be similar to this one where you just have to show up and play your game and you should be able to get through it. But they've had a tougher time. As you said, Joe's message there do uh doing the things that make them look great and not getting bored with that i was actually just scrolling through the youtube channel john yeah you know watching like an old press conference and procrastinating a little bit and it was one from email like a year ago and he was saying we can't get bored with the things that make us successful it's almost the exact same message we're talking about with Joe yeah. right now yeah. and it's sort of the downfall of this team at times is they every- just get away from what they do best it's human nature. Everybody does it all the time. I can get, the, I, I totally get this team getting bored, but it, you know, it, things can become habit forming. And also um, you don't want to get frustrated with each other. Cause you got a team that like gets one another and has a good thing going and the vibes are described as being really good in that room. Um, so you don't want to go through patches where you start like, cause the worst thing you can do is feel like people aren't, given the effort you're giving or don't have your back, you know, like I said, you talked about those Jalen comments, but like, we got to do a better job helping each other out. Those are the things that like derailed, you know, a couple of seasons ago and early, you know, last year that they would say and be like, these guys are not vibing right now. Isn't this another one too? the free, like that just goes to show walk in, you're going to hit those. These are great free throw shooters and they're missing some, even that Tatum one at the end of the game, that was a big miss. And they got the offensive rebound after, but 
I don't know. This, they're just they're letting go of the wheel too much in spots, and it's not that's a, great, a good way to put it. Since, especially since they've had such recent examples of how badly that can go in Oklahoma City and on that last road trip, and even the last home stand there at times. So you just want to say, can they blow someone out? Yeah, but again? the problem is, Bobby. Like, it's hard to fool yourself, right? Like, you can come out of that Oklahoma game feel pretty shit about it recognize it like yeah you know this would be bad if i kept doing it but i'll be fine and even if you do it again you'll be like all right all right that's the last time but when you know <laughs> when you know deep down you can kind of get your way out of it that's fine as far as the free throw shooting technically speaking brown's having his best free throw shooting year i think ever maybe um ever i'd say so yeah, he's he's. I, I'm uh, looking it up now. Yep, he's eighty percent. Our seventy nine point five. That's better than he's been, which is around a seventy five percent free throw shooter. The last three years was in the mid sixties prior to that. Um, so that's something he's improved on. I do think those like are kind of like, um, you know, like moments in close games when they do miss one and you're like come on man but the numbers actually say that they've been pretty solid we've had some games bobby where they're like 20 out of 21 as a team so actually free throw shooting i don't think has been a great concern they get there a ton yeah and we don't give them enough credit for that i think and of course the throwback to the headline of this game rob playing at the level he is right now is super encouraging so mixed bag on this trip i think two and two describes it well yeah and yeah and now you're going home for a little while again, which is which is going to be good. A couple games here. Totally. Uh, we're going to wrap. We're back on Monday. Most of the crew, um, you know, back we'll at be... the garden. I think it's been two weeks since we've back been at the, at the garden. Gar- I know, Bobby. You get Bobby's getting itchy. Um, so we're back at the garden. Real quick, shout out once again to our sponsors, Athletic Greens. Okay, AP1. I didn't even show you the shirt I got on. Yes. <laughs> That's what you get, guys. Uh, athleticgreens.com slash garden. If you go there, you get this terrific um, supplement here, 75 vitamins, minerals, scoop of water. You're done. You don't have to go chasing a million different pills and vitamins. But make sure you go here, athleticgreens.com slash garden, for a free one-year supply of vitamin D. Five free travel packs gives us credit for the sale. And it's also going to get you a prize, which I'll tell you about in a minute. Uh, and obviously, Rocket Money, formerly True Bill. Get this, uh, get all of your uh, paid subscriptions that you don't want anymore canceled. Uh, Rocket Money will help you do that, save you hundreds a year. I guarantee it, uh, canceling all of those unnecessary subscriptions. But again, rocketmoney.com slash garden. If you pay for a membership there, submit your receipt. Um, there's a form in the description of our show here that you can find that you can fill out, uh, and we will send you that phenomenal T-shirt, which we don't need. Bobby can just style it for us. Bobby, give us a good look at it right now. Once again, once again, here we go. Yes, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, so we'll check that out. But again, thank you guys for hanging. Um, uh, AG1, so how much is it? It comes out to about 3 bucks a day which again is probably less than a single kombucha at this point. <laughs> um, so it comes out to three bucks a day. Uh, it, it's, it's well worth it. I, I guarantee again, you're, you go get a bottle of such and such, you know, supplement 20 bucks, 20 bucks here, 19 bucks here. E- each of those things does one thing. AG one does it all. So check it out. If you're, on any of these things, because a couple of people are asking in the chat, if you're not sure, just research it. And if it, if you think, uh, if you think it feels good, uh, go for it. Uh, that's it. There that's is, all we got. Yeah. There is a football game tomorrow. You giving yeah. the New England, uh, New England Patriots a chance? I mean, no. 
I don't know. I want this season to be over. I mean, you might you... have to do a playoff game. It's fine. Grudgingly. <laughs> I may travel. I may travel to it too. I, I may Who, take who's a... it looking like if they sneak in Buffalo or KC? They would end up with the two seed. So it'd probably be right back to Buffalo. Most likely. Cause Casey's going to get the one and Buffalo's... there might be some, there might be some benefit to that. Even especially if you lose this game back in the tricky thing is Pittsburgh Bobby, can sneak in if you lose, right? Bobby, we saw what happened last year, right? We saw what yeah. happened in the one playoff game against Buffalo last year. Do we really want to relive this? Yeah, there's, there's I, not a great chance, especially the way the offense is playing. It's yeah, hard to imagine. I'm with the you. The defense is so great, though. It keeps me hooked in each week. They've been pretty good. It's going to be ugly here. Uh, but whatever. We'll see. We do have post-game coverage, so check that out over on our Patriots channel. And obviously, the offseason is almost uh, as interesting, if not more interesting, than the regular season. So there'll be lots of stuff to talk about there as well. Uh, but we will see. Obviously, we will have uh, Patriots coverage tomorrow, tons of Celtics coverage um, on Monday with the entire crew um, back at the Garden. Um, I agree <laughs> with this. love for the Pats at the Cons. <laughs> Pat suck. Good show, fellas. We'll take it. That's as good a way as any to close it. Thank you guys for hanging out. Celtics win this one. We do appreciate it. Uh, and uh, and uh, we'll see you guys again on Monday. Good night, all. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.